You're listening to Muscles, Motherhood, and Motivation. I'm your host, Chloe Puff. I am super excited. Uh, Today I have a really cool guest. um, And honestly, it just felt very aligned and kismet that this this just happened. Um, So before I introduce her... Um, basically I followed her page and almost immediately she reached out like a boss and said, thanks for the follow. We got to talking. Um, and I am really pleased to introduce you guys to Jill Stafford. And if you don't recognize that name, I'm really upset with you because she is a nationally ranked boxer, a complete badass, uh, a personal trainer, Um, who also specializes in gut health. So I am extremely excited to have you on the show, Jill. Yeah, thank you so much. It was so fun. Right when I saw you and started talking to you, I feel like we connected so easily that I was like, I feel like she's my friend. I've only been talking to her like five minutes. So (laughs) very, very easy. So I'm definitely very happy to be here. Oh man, and thank you very much. And I'm so happy you're here too. And yeah, I completely agree. It was very... um, it's just a nice little conversation flow. And then, you know, (laughs) normally I don't just like ask people right off the bat to be on my show. That feels very like, hi, will you want to do something for me? Um, but it didn't, it didn't feel like that. It felt like, you know, I just, I want you to be able to share about all the cool stuff that you do. So tell me, tell me, tell me the story. How the heck did you get into boxing? Like, give us the short version or the long version, whatever. I want to hear it. So it's funny because I've always been an athlete. So in in high school, middle school, I always did soccer, lacrosse, dance, softball. I was always involved with some type of sport that it was actually outside of high school. And I was in college. Um, I was doing more of like the bodybuilding stuff at that point, you know, putting on some muscle. And I just... Yeah, I was I was realizing that I was missing the competitive side of, mm-hmm. of sports. Um, I'm I'm competitive at nature. I grew up with three brothers, so I was missing that side of me. So every single day, I would drive by this boxing gym on the way to work, and I would drive by it on the way home. One day, I literally just stopped, and I went in, and I just said, "I want to learn how to box." And the guy at the front desk, he's like, well, what experience do you have? And I was like, none. (laughs) He's like, do you want to start with taking classes? I said, no, give me a coach. I want to start with a coach. I want to start learning the right way. Just from the get go. He was like, okay. So I got connected with my boxing coach. He's still my boxing coach today. The same guy. How long has Um, that been, by the way? Seven years. Oh my gosh. That's amazing. Seven years. And I started late for a boxer, a competitive boxer. So I started at the age of 25. Um, I am now 32. Um, typically, a lot of competitive boxers start when they're kids or young, yeah. 11, 12. That's typically when they're starting. So I had a lot of experience to make up for. But when I first started, though, I didn't. It was it was more so of a hobby. Like I wasn't really planning to do anything with it. Yeah. it was just more so I fell in love with it. Had a passion for it. I just kept doing it, kept doing it, kept doing it. And then it came down to well, let's just see what happens. Let's just take a fight and let's see where it goes. Yeah. So that was pretty much how I got into boxing, kind of by accident, really. I love that. That's so great. It's it's so funny. Um, I mean, I am by no means at all at the level you're at with boxing, but so similar to how I fell into boxing too. Like background is really similar, you know, always growing up with some sort of um athletic background. I did dance up until literally four years ago. I was doing it oh, wow. professionally. And then just, I had this like 
desire to just learn to do something different because I was, I wanted to do something competitive that wasn't like my livelihood. So Mm -hmm. I took up boxing as a hobby and I was like, nope, no classes. I want to work one-on-one. And, you know, I've been boxing on and off ever since. And I love that. I like, I have such a passion and a respect for the sport because I don't think people truly understand what it takes to do that sport, whether it's for fun or competitive. Like there is a huge mindset component that if you don't have it, it can be really frustrating (laughs) to, you know, to, to fight through no pun intended. Yeah. It's definitely to me, almost mainly mindset. <laughs> yeah. I, I would agree. Yeah, with you there. There's a physical level to it, but I mean, a huge physical level to it, but that, yeah, that mindset that you're talking about, like whether it's stepping in the ring, putting your life on the line or, you know, even right. just keeping your arms up for three minutes straight. Yeah. There's a huge yeah. to that. For yeah. Sure. Oh my gosh. I mean, I've had I don't know if you're like this or if I'm just like a sensitive person, which I already know. So, you know, calling myself out, but like, I've had days where I go to the gym and I just feel so off or like teary or emotional that I physically can't do it. And like, I've had to, you know, like fight with myself to push past or like take a break. And, you know, it's, it really, it like really puts you in check with where you're at mentally for sure. And which can be humbling not yeah. comfortable. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah. When you show up and you don't want to be there, it's like, Oh, but I'm here. Yeah. And, oh, we're sparring today. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yep. You, especially on those days you weren't prepared or didn't have the maybe emotionally prepared to have yeah. that sparring. Yeah. It's, and then trying to leave that out of the ring. Cause it has to be yeah. strategic when you're in the ring. So I'm Absolutely. trying to share your emotions into it. So yeah, yeah all that plays together. Yep. And it's so funny. Cause I think, you know, you have to have had some sort of experience with boxing, whether it's one class or, you know, whatever to watch boxing and be like, wow, that is a lot of mental work. Like, I don't think people realize it's not just like flinging your arms and hoping you hit somebody like you're not just swinging. You are also having to learn how to not get hit, which is a completely different element as well. So it's like a strategic game of of a physical game of chess. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Very fast paced. Yeah. Very fast paced mental game of chess. And like you said, hit, but don't get hit <laughs> is basically a layman's term what the goal is. And when yeah. I was, it was so funny because I had a, we were watching a box, boxing match and there was some girl watching it with us and, and they're doing their three minute rounds. And it was so funny because she was, why are they so tired already? And I was just like, <laughs> For those of you who are listening, like my jaw, I think literally hit the floor or at least my desk. Um, That's wild. Yeah. And I was, I didn't say anything. I was like, she just doesn't know. She hasn't done it before. But so yeah, the three minutes does not seem like a long time, but three minutes of someone trying to hit you and you trying to hit someone, you trying to move your body around, like, and time is, is very exhausting. With 100% effort. Or like 110% effort plus adrenaline. Oh my gosh, it's exhausting. (laughs) I mean, it's crazy. Like I'm like gassed after a 45 minute class of being like, yeah. And I just took up kickboxing. I um, I was doing traditional boxing prior to moving to this gym. But now I'm like, oh God, now I got (laughs) to... Now I got elbows and knees and, you know, legs to throw. This is just insane. So 
this is, this is why I'm just like, so, um, we'll say it starstruck to meet you. Just because I know that mental component, like you have got to be like a very specific hardcore kind of woman to be able to do that. And so I have so much respect for you in the sport that you're doing. Well, I appreciate it. I appreciate having a platform to share and Really, for me, it's just really about connecting with other like-minded individuals, especially um, women, um, and just really helping show more that you're capable of more than you think. And that's definitely been one of my missions of working alongside other ladies, um, seeing them being fearful of even stepping into a boxing gym and then yeah. having to put the gloves on, having to go through the whole experience and feel comfortable and then be like, this is something that I like. And this is something I want to do. It doesn't matter if I show up and there's 20 guys and there's one girl, like you just keep on going. So that's definitely where I like to hold a space for a lot of other females, where they have questions about it. They want to come to the gym. They want to check it out. Or I think for you too, being obviously you doing this podcast, (laughs) it's like that as well. So I, I appreciate you doing something like this. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy. I, I, I'm not sure where I stand because maybe because I'm not as in it as you are, but where are you at in terms of feeling like it's a male dominated versus like female centric sport? For me, my perception is that that's shifting a lot. Like in the last, at least in the last decade, I've, I've been seeing a lot more female fighters, which is awesome that are, you know, either pro or more in kind of the, at least on the online space, which is really empowering. Um, because for a long time I was really fearful because yeah, I mean, I came from an athletic background, you know, that perfectionism, like to show up and have it right. The first time was like so strong. And the first gym I showed up to was all men, not mm-hmm. a single woman. And I was, I was just, uh, coming out of my second pregnancy, like four months postpartum and like, um, so I can't do this, this and that because I have an ab separation. So like, I need to coach you on coaching me and I'm feeling really uncomfortable. So where, where do you think it falls in terms of female and male? Yeah. So I, it's definitely a male dominated sport, but like you said, the females are on the rise and like they have been on the rise for the decade, more so the past three years. Yeah. Being able to work with even some of the people, um, like, uh, I know Chris Cyborg's UFC, but she was one of my, my sparring partners, but even like, Um, O'Shea, uh, O'Shea Jones, which was the bronze Olympic medalist. She just had her pro debut. Wow. Um, but seeing a lot of these ladies starting to come and get like a, for the first time in history was the Katie Taylor and Amanda Serrano fight. Oof. That was the first time woman had ever, ever headlined a card at uh, the Madison Square Garden, wow. um, which is a huge deal. And then we have an all fight, all female fight card this coming Saturday, which is a huge deal where they have Clarissa Shields versus Savannah Marshall. Oh my God. There's Alicia. So yeah, there's, it's going to be a huge thing. Like everything is falling into place now. So it's like, it took a decade of like planting the seeds and making yeah. things happen where I feel like we are in the now of, of the females on the rise. So the women who are in the sport are like the pioneers of yeah. it kind of shifting to be more of an equal, more, you know, not, not male dominated or female dominated, but yeah. not even looking at us as like, oh, you're a female boxer. It's just, right. you're a boxer. Because yeah. I mean, like these women, you included are just so freaking fierce. Like, I, I feel like, I feel like the last, like 
I think it was an Amanda Serrano fight. The last fight mm-hmm. I watched, I was like, this is way bloodier than any other male fight I've seen. I feel like because there maybe, maybe it's this desire to prove that we can and we will, and we'll do it even better that like, I don't know, like this, this mm-hmm. ferociousness comes out and it's incredible to see. I get like, so I have like full body chills right now, okay. just thinking about it. It's, mm-hmm. oh, it's so crazy to see. Um, and by the way, like Clarissa Shields is like such a baddie. I am so excited for Saturday. <laughs> who are your, who are some of your favorites? You what? Savannah Marshall, the girl she's going to fight. Oh yeah. Yeah. She's really good too. My, some of my favorite. Yeah. Uh, who's like who's like your biggest like like girl crush? I I would say in the boxing world, it'd be Katie Taylor. Okay, so she's definitely one of my favorites. I I really like her skill, um, mm. speed, um, her technique, and her her ring IQ. She's really wow. good at ring IQ and kind of understanding what's in front of her and understanding what's happening. To her. Amanda Serrano did put it to her though, um, where that was a very very like like you said, like they were, they both had a lot of grit in that fight. And I think that's something that we're starting to kind of miss actually in the male boxing, uh, where if you look back at the male boxing, like, you know, prior to, you know, now, you know, back Mike Tyson, Muhammad Ali, those guys, like they are going at it. They are just, you know, putting everything on the line where now it is more strategic, less yeah. trying to get hit, which I completely understand. The end right. of the day is their job and it's a profession trying to get paid. Yeah. Uh, but seeing the females kind of take that over. Yeah. And like, well, okay, well, well we got to prove something. We got something to do here. Or it's like, you guys already have the spotlight and the attention. Well, yep. Come look at us. We'll give you a real fight. Yeah. So and I feel like that transition is happening. And um, like I said, Katie Taylor is one of my favorites. Um, Clarissa Shields is really good. She, her, her attitude is a little tough for me sometimes. <laughs> I, uh, I just like it because it's, I mean, at least with her attitude, I'm like, I can never be like that, but you know, <laughs> it's, it's a, it makes for great entertainment and boxing for sure. It, it makes, it definitely promotes fights too. Cause yeah. it's like, oh, I got to see what happens. Um, yeah. But her, and then, um, uh, like Michaela Mayer and even Alicia Baum, uh, I don't know how, I never say her last name, right. But Alicia, the girl she's going to be fighting. Yeah. Uh, I really like her as well. Terry Harper. Like there's a ton of good, like really awesome girls out there that you know, are just killing the game. Yeah. So how did you tell, tell me about your journey then from, from the gym now, seven years later, um, how did you become a nationally ranked boxer? So the first national uh, championship I went to was actually um, when I was about five fights in. So you have to. Have Are you okay? Let's just pause. Okay. <laughs> let's just take. That's really mind blowing to me. Um, you're amazing. Continue. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you have to have five to go to a national championship. So I had five. So I was like, well, let's go. Um, a lot of things happened, yeah. honestly, to keep me going from that fight. It, like I had lost my job the weekend before. Um, so I barely even had enough money to go. Thankfully, my sparring partner at the time was Chris Cyborg. Um, yeah. She happened to give me a check to pay me for sparring for sparring her, which I was, was not expecting. Oh, that. wow. And so that check actually covered my trip to actually be able to go to the national championships. Um, I flew over there. I was, I'm not going to lie. I I was very, I was like ignorant, ignorance on fire. 
I didn't know who I was going to be fighting. I didn't know what to expect. I'd never done this before. I'd never been to a tournament, never fought multiple times within one week. So I'm kind of just going there like, oh, it's going to go, you know, do whatever I got to do and, you know, have fun and hang out with the team. And so I was the the first bite or the first bout of the entire tournament. I was the first one. And um, the girl I was fighting, I had no idea who she was. And she had a lot of fights. And I didn't know that at the time, though. So I had five and going in to fight this girl, this experienced girl that's done multiple tournaments before. So I ended up beating her the first, the first fight, but I had also tore my esophagus. Um, oh my God. Yeah. Because I didn't realize there's an elevation change between San Diego. That's where I am. And then, uh, which is like 460 feet. Right. New Mexico, which I think in desert, but it's a high desert. So it's 4,200 feet in elevation. So my, I was not used to that breathing. And when I, I tore my, I knew, I knew I tore it. And while I was fighting, I knew it wasn't from being punched, but I could taste it in my throat. Um, and then I was starting to cough up blood and th- I was just like, you know, going for it though. So ended up finishing that fight, wow. won that fight, um, started having a uh, cough attacks the rest of a tr- the tournament, because my esophagus continuing to cough up but blood. Did you know at that point that you had torn it or you were like, this kind of hurts? I knew like it wasn't anything too serious except for that, that my, the, because I was breathing so hard Whoa. that my esophagus was torn. So that's basically why, because I, I was just like, <gasps> like grasping for air so oh hard that I tore it. So like I'm feeling this in my body as you're describing it. (laughs) (laughs) Me too. It's coming back. (laughs) Um, So I went to my second fight, second fight. Thankfully that one wasn't too challenging. Beat that one. Um, And then went into my third fight uh, of the week. So these are all within about four days of each other. So went into the third fight and the girl I was fighting was from New Mexico, Albuquerque, or Albuquerque, New Mexico. And I was like, they're like, saying her name everybody's cheering for her because we're in her hometown they yeah. say my name i have like three people Ooh, like <laughs> <laughs> yep. yeah so i ended up fighting her and i remember my arms went numb i couldn't feel my body like i was just doing everything I, like i was like i was not gonna not win that fight mm. um and at the end, they raised my hand. I became the 2018 national champion um, with coming in with only five fights and leaving with eight. <laughs> so that's amazing. Oh my God. What a tale. Please tell me you're going to write a book someday. Hopefully one day. Maybe. Yeah, you should. <laughs> I love that. That's, that's incredible. Like this is, that's exactly what you're talking about with the mindset. Like injury aside, when you know that you're injured and you still have to push anyway, like, mm-hmm. oof, that's yeah. Can mm-hmm. relate not to the ripped esophagus, but you know, um, <laughs> like damn, uh, <laughs> all I got to say is you deserved those wins for sure. That's just absolutely insane. So that's really cool. So how, how long at this point in your seven years, where were you at in terms of the timeline when you started that venture? So I started in 2016. So that was when I was about, or no, 2017. So I was about a year into boxing at that You were point. only... Yeah. I'm so- I had I had my first fight eight months after training. <laughs> and then um, it was then that was 2000. That was 2017 was my first fight. 
And then a couple months after that, 2018 in March was when I went to the national championships. Um, wow. Or yeah, for that tournament. So that's awesome. Yeah, it's had, I had a lot to make up, up make up for and experience right. in between. Um, but it's definitely been an awesome journey. And that honestly, that tournament made me realize like how much more capable I truly am. And just, you know, you, you literally just have to do it. Yeah. And you having that discipline and being and being persistent, being consistent and just showing up. That was honestly boxing has taught me so much, like not even just in the ring and what I do, but as a human being, yes. how I operate in my family, how I operate in my business, how I operate, like how you do one thing is how you do everything. Yeah. So going a hundred percent into boxing, I go hundred percent into everything I do because I see what the results can get me. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's funny that you said that, like just, it showed you how capable you were. Um, one thing I coach clients on is creating trust without evidence, because in order to be able to push yourself to your goals and actually get there, you have to be able to trust the process, which is so hard because it's something that's so intangible Mm -hmm. and you have to do it without any proof that you're capable because you've never done it before. So it's like one of those things where you just have to, you know, be consistent every, you know, every session in the gym counts towards that ultimate goal. And, you know, obviously not everyone is, um, training, not everyone I work with is training on such an intense level because I train postpartum women. Um, and you know, I don't think people who are newly postpartum should (laughs) do a tournament per se, but, um, but yeah, I mean, that's, it's so, I a hundred percent agree that the way that you show up for the things that you're passionate about and the things that, you know, these goals and whatnot, the way you show up there is how you show up everywhere. But there's a flip side to that. And I'm curious what your thoughts are. Um, I have struggled a lot with trying to like dissect and make very clear the hustle mentality in terms of how it can serve you or break you. And I think a lot of times, especially as athletes or perfectionists, those of us who are like sitting in that mentality all the time can struggle a lot with like, you know, disappointment and decision paralysis and, you know, this feeling of failure when we can't show up 100% in everything. So I would love for you to kind of share your thoughts on that. I love that you're talking about it, first of all, because it's a huge thing, especially for athletes. I think a lot of athletes don't talk about it. Yeah. Like even like my most recent experience was, I'm not going to lie to about two and a half months ago, I got a concussion. And it like, it really broke me down where I was like, I had every problem, every symptom that you could possibly have as with coming with the concussion. So like everything from the headaches, nausea, uh, the feeling constantly fatigued, but even the depression, like those are things that I had never really experienced before. And then like, and at that point, I can't really even train. I'm like, you know, trying to figure out like what I'm doing and realizing that I have a lot of my identity in boxing. There's a lot, and that's how it is for a lot of athletes. And to find out, well, who am I if I don't have this? Like, what am I doing if I don't have this? So it was, it was a really good wake up call 
to be like, you are still worth worthy. Even if you don't have the sport, you are still somebody. If you don't have the sport, it's not all about you are bringing, you know, you are bringing this, you are bringing yourself into the sport. The sport's not bringing, running to you. So it's like being able to separate the two and being able to um, look at yourself as like, yes, you are a part of this, but it isn't completely you and having that hustle mentality that go 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 that when you get to a point where everything just stops because you physically can't it's like whoa like it's jarring yeah oh yeah and it's scary it's scary when you gotta slow down and be like oh what's what's really happening and kind of take a look at things and so when I started to kind of come back around and was like okay I feel like I can I can go train. I'm not seeing weird things in my vision anymore. I'm not getting headaches anymore. Um, I go back to train my first day back in the gym. And I could tell them, you know, obviously I'm still a little off. I can't, I stand up, I get lightheaded. Um, but then my coach has me, you know, just go to run to the light and back. I go and I run to the light, which is maybe like 400 yards away from the gym. At right when I get to the light, I sprain my ankle. <gasps> so bad. I thought I broke it. Um, at the time I thought it was broken. Um, I fell on the ground. My leggings had holes in them. I was bleeding. I, my ankles messed up. Thankfully I had no phone on me cause I didn't take my phone. Um, and I'm, I'm standing or on the ground next to this guy. He's trying to help me. He doesn't speak English. Like it was, it was so funny, but this other guy, ha- older gentleman happened to see me, um, see it happen. So he pulled over. He's like, are you okay? I'm like, I'm okay. And typically I wouldn't get into a car with a random stranger, but I have feel like I have pretty strong intuition. And this guy was just like, I just, like, I can help you. What do you need? And I was like, can you just drive me down to the gym? I could tell that he felt more nervous to have me in the car. So, oh shoot, you're <laughs> a boxer like, and I'm an elderly man. Um, <laughs> no, not he didn't even know I was a boxer, but I think that he just felt nervous that he's driving, you know, a woman oh. that picked up off the street. <laughs> in his car and I'm crying. It's probably good that you didn't tell him you were a boxer. He may not have driven you. (laughs) So he drops me off. I walk in, my coach is like, did you just get dropped off? And I was, I walk in, I'm like stumbling. So that just happened maybe, um, about three weeks ago. Oh my God. How are you now? Are you okay? Like, can I hug you? (laughs) So I'm still recovering, but, um, I still have been like, I've been, I can walk on it now. I can still, I can go box. There's just certain things I can't do. Um, I have to be a little bit more careful on it. And, um, you know, last time when I had, when I had broken my nose two years ago, that really helped me with my head movement, being able to, okay, I don't want to get hit like that again. So it increased my defense where I think these two things are just going to be something else to add into my tool belt of how it's going to help me. Maybe I don't really know yet, um, but it's going to be something. There's always is something, always some type of lesson that I learned from these things, but yeah, and even- it was the mental aspect of like, who am I? <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Like, even if it doesn't help you directly in the sport as it pertains to strategy, like there's always something to be gained from failure, whether it's accident or, you know, something that was, you know, just a, a thought defect or whatever. But, you know, I think I, I think about how impactful my failures or setbacks have been in terms of like, what's helped me you know, today and who I am now, do I wish to relive those things? No, do not. But I am really grateful for like, you know, (laughs) 
I hate saying this because I don't want to like attract more, but like, I'm grateful for injuries. I'm grateful for setbacks. I'm grateful for like mental health. I don't know, holes that I've been in, but I mean, yeah, it's, it's all a part of the growth process. It's extremely uncomfortable as you know, and, um, I'm really glad that you're walking and not concussed and (laughs) that you're here right now. It sounds like the last few months have been really insane for you. Yeah. And it's like everything you're saying though, like it's uh, there's a saying it's called a more fati. So like loving your fate. So like loving, like, even though these things have happened, not like, like you said, it's not like you want to relive them, but they have built you into the person that you are today. So like you said, loving the failure that you've been through because of the person you are in this moment. And I think that's a huge thing to take from it that even though we're not going to fail though, unless you try. Yeah. Well, the only time to me, the only time that you do fail is when you try, you fail and you quit, where if you try and you fail, you try and you fail and you try and you fail, then there is still success in that, even if you never get to that point. And I actually just did a whole PowerPoint presentation to um, these middle schoolers and these high schools out here in San Diego at the uh, Rock Church Academy. And we talked about perseverance. And it was so funny because I was sharing these stories with them and, and getting to the point where I was like, I was noticing that I was talking a lot about, oh, and then I lost. <laughs> and yeah. then I, I was like, here was my first loss. And here was what I learned from. So sharing with them, yes, you guys see the glory and, and my hand being raised and me being the national champion. But I learned more, way more in these losses from this one loss than I did from my, eight, my first eight wins. And then even in going into like the Olympic trials and sharing that whole experience, sharing, sharing that whole story and building this huge thing up where it's basically like almost like David and Goliath, because I'm going yeah. into the Olympic trials with only 13 fights. I, the last girl I fought, Mary Spencer, she's a professional boxer now, but yeah. she's a three-time world champion with over 100 fights. And me and her are paired at the end to have that last fight and to oh. build this whole thing up. And to be like, I still lost. Yeah. Where it's almost like that's not even the point. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't to win. It was the journey. It was the experience. Learn. It was the fact that I said I was going to do something and I did it. Yeah. I love that. I love that so, so much. Um, recently, I, I was on a coaching call um, with my um, like accountability group and we were talking about how um, like the depth of your failure is also the depth of your victory and vice versa. Whenever, you know, whatever that means. And I also think too, like if we approached it in a way that like that toddlers, for example, do, it's so funny. Like when you're watching a baby walk, like it, they struggle so much and they literally do not care. It's all just input. It's sensory input, it's information. And it's, it teaches them and rewires their brain to say, okay, I fell down next time. I'm going to keep trying it again until I gain the skill to do it. And once they have the skill, they remain fearless, which is why toddlers are a handful and a half and are super stressful. But honestly, some of the best examples of perseverance is, you know, watching children, you know, from like nine months to, to like, honestly, just kids in general, like Mm -hmm. taking this input and not, not giving it any meaning not making it mean failure, but making it mean growth. Okay, cool. When I do this, it's cause and effect. And so I think it's so great to just like put those things in perspective and say, 
exactly. Like the loss wasn't the point. It was what came through the loss. It was what came after the loss that really like meant something. So Mm -hmm. that's extremely valuable. I love that. These are all tweetables. I don't have a Twitter account, but if I did, I'd be putting all this on there. I love that. So tell me then about um, what in terms of like personal training, because that's a whole other aspect of your life. So I'm curious to kind of hear more about that. And like, it seems pretty aligned with what you're currently doing, that that would be kind of a natural evolution with, you know, Mm -hmm. part of your career. But who, who is it that you work with? Um, and kind of what, what do you focus on? I'm curious. Uh, I'm probably not going to guess on the type, the demographic I typically work with is senior citizens. How did, how did I know? Okay. I didn't know that. Okay. I, I, to me, I, I said, you know what? It's probably people like 55 and up, like in my head. That's crazy. Okay. But like 85 and up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> A much higher range. Yes. Yeah. So that, yeah, that's the main, so I, I may work with everybody, but my main demographic is uh, senior citizens. And even right now, I'm only working with a couple of them. Okay. Um, a lot had happened since the pandemic and yeah. things shifting around and whatnot. But um, I really found, like, I just really get along with elder elderly people. Um, but something that really brought me a passion to be able to work with them and coach them was that the fact that even the skill that I do actually can really help them. So I work with a lot of, um, uh, elderly people who have neurological diseases. Um, so typically the sport of boxing actually can help with that. Not talking about them hitting each other, (laughs) going through the process of left, right, following commands, directions, uh, going, switching, going across their body and switching actually really has something to do with the neurons in the brain and helping fire off. So I do have a lot of uh, work with like Parkinson's, Alzheimer's, dementia, just to kind of get their brain working a little bit smoother and have seen some amazing things happen. Um, One of the guys I have his Parkinson's, but to see him go from not being able to hold his balance and stand, but sitting while we do boxing and giving him commands, and like literally having to grab his hand and like put it on my mitt, um, having him start there. And, ha- and they, when you have Parkinson's, your voice becomes a different line because you start to le- lose the strength in your vocal cords. Mm. So when he would speak, it would be very, very quiet. And I'd have to like really get close to him to hear what he was saying. Especially in a loud gym. Right. Do you uh, treat the um, though this was that retirement re- a retirement resort. Oh, that's so wonderful. So I would go to them. Okay, um, cool. Sometimes they would come to me, but it was that would be very rare because yeah, the gym is very noisy. <laughs> yes, I was gonna say ah. <laughs> <laughs> start there, and then having him now he can stand on his own. He doesn't need me to hold him. He he shadow boxes and he yells out the the command. So he'll say jab straight hook. So he'll actually say it. So to see someone like that go from the position that it was just from like, just from like boxing, like that's crazy to me. But that was my first eye-opening experience of, I can really help people with what I know how to do. Oh, that's so, so amazing. That made me want to do that. But also I like working with younger, um, I mean, I like people working my age too, because that's always fun, but also working with uh, younger individuals, like from that Rock Church Academy I went to, there's two girls there that want to start boxing with me. Heck yeah. Um, 
crazy. Like one day, because someone came presented at your school that you're going to start boxing, like you guys are going to have an awesome story. But that's the depth. That is the depth of your impact too. Like, I, I think so many, like just a little sidebar. I think so many people undersell their value because I'm just this, or I only did this or, you know, whatever. But it's like the more vulnerable, the more transparent you are in your journey and the truth behind what it is that you do, which is why I'm so transparent online, because I'm like, even if it's for that one person or the two girls, you know, like you have the, you have the power to be able to like literally change the course of someone's life, whether it's, you know, starting at 85 or starting at 18, like that's just, that's incredible. I love, I love hearing this side of things too. That's I'm, oh, I love it. I I appreciate that you do that, that you are transparent, you're authentic, you're genuine. Um, there's not a lot of that online. Um, I think it's, you know, in me being more in the fight world, seeing the things that I've experienced and I've been through and not seeing it shared. Yes. Uh, Even all the way down to the concussion. I, I mean, I made a reel about it. It took me a little bit to share about it, but I made a reel about it. I could not tell you how many fighters reached out to me telling me like, Hey, I'm actually dealing with the same thing right now. How did you get out of it? Wow. Like mentally. And I'm like, I don't know. I'm still in it. <laughs> like, let's do We're it. We're all together. in it together. Yep. Yeah. Let's do this together. Like, so I have like, you know, a couple of people I'm messaging with right now. We're just like, we're working through it, but we never would have known if someone didn't say something. Yeah. And so it's like, it's important to share not only your success and your wins, but to share what you're going through. Cause you never know how it's going to affect somebody across the world. Yeah. And like, okay, if she can do it, I can do it. Or if she could do it, let's do it together. It just it brings so much more of a bond together as opposed to you're doing this on your own. I can't talk about it and share my weaknesses. My opponent's going to know and I, I can't look weak. It's like, no, it's, it's just, it's part of it. Own yeah. it. And it's, it. It's truly not weakness. I think Brene Brown, I don't need, I think, I think I put it away. I have it on like a little postcard. Brene Brown has this quote that is like, um, strength looks like, you know, something, but is actually vulnerability. Like the the vulnerability is the strength. It's not necessarily like, you know, the big obvious thing. Mm -hmm. And I mean, it's crazy to me. I think, I think part of it is that there is such a huge misconception that by, you know, quote, outing yourself on your humanity, Mm -hmm. that it makes you less capable like, I, I just don't believe that at all. I really believe that the more human you can be while still being a badass, grabbing medals, helping other people, that just truly shows like, like your value and your worth just as a human. And even if you're not right. winning, you know, medals and tournaments and doing that and you're quote, just a mom at home listening to this and going, well, I'm not going to be a pro boxer. I'm not going to be a personal trainer. Like you are that for your children. (laughs) Like you being vulnerable and saying like, mommy had a really bad day today. And you know, we're going to, we're going to breathe through it together. Like that is strength. So I, you sharing that is incredibly important because I think also what I've noticed too is that people will, you know, will consume social media. We're looking at our feed of all of these highlights of, of, you know, the victories and the high moments in people's lives and what they, it just makes people feel more isolated and alone, although we're more connected. So thank you for sharing that. It's, 
it's the, the value and importance of that is like truly there's, there's no words for that. So I appreciate you showing up in that space. Post your unhighlight reels. <laughs> yes, absolutely. I, I can't tell you how many videos of me crying I have on my feed. I'm like, these are the ugliest, <laughs> ugliest photo thumbnails. I'm like, oh, I love oh my it. Gosh, it's so great. <laughs> That's awesome. Oh my goodness. So that's cool. That's not the first time that I've heard about like just the science behind boxing specifically helping rewire neurological pathways. Mm-hmm. And I think it's phenomenal that you do that. Mm-hmm. It's so, so great. It's crazy that it can boxing can also lead to those damages though, too, when you get hit too much. So it's, it's crazy. The irony is not the, the irony. irony. <laughs> that, that, you know, you can, you can get hit too much and start to lead to those things, but then the skill of boxing actually doing it can help prevent it and yeah. help, you know, reverse it a little bit, but yeah. yeah. Well, high risk, high reward, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my goodness. I mean, but there's always some risk, uh, depending on, you know, the activity, you're not going to get hit in the head, everything that you do, but it's like, you know, you could get severely injured doing something as normal as driving your car. So why not go do the thing that you're passionate about and that you're wanting to do, even if there's an element of danger, but Mm -hmm. you know, do dangerous things as safely as you can, as long as you, you know, put the skills together. That's like a phrase that's said so often in my house. It's insane <laughs> <laughs> to my toddler, my three-year-old boy jumping off everything. Okay. Let's do dangerous things safely. Make sure you can see where your feet are. Not, yeah. Be careful. Be careful. Cause that doesn't do anything. You're like, you're like the ref before the fight, protect yourself at all times. <laughs> no free punches. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's so funny. So, okay. I, we're running low on time, but I'm curious about, um, the gut health thing. Maybe that's something if you're interested, maybe we could talk about it as an entire episode by itself, because I know you're really passionate about that. Mm -hmm. Um, but I would love to, I would love to read this quote that you submitted to me before we connected. Um, the measure of greatness is not position, power, or prestige it's service. And I feel like that is perfectly aligned with you know, what you just told me that you do for other people. So tell me about that quote. where did you find it? And what does it mean to you? Um, I actually found it in the Bible. <laughs> so that's where I found it. it Clearly actually, I'm a little rusty. On was, my um, well, that's not what it said verbatim. Okay. So it, it was from a different quote. I was from a verse, but I forgot what verse it was, but from the, from the notes that I saw, it had matched to that verse. And I was Got like it. that. Yes. That's what, that's what I'm trying to say. That's what I, that's what I feel. Um, but just like when, when we think about, you know, greatness and we think about success and we think about the people who are in power, have all these, you know, things that we, we typically want. Um, I think at the end of the day, it really comes down to not how many people can serve you, but how many people you can serve. Mm. And that really is the definition of a leader or definition of, of greatness, because it's not only about you anymore. It's about you and a community. It's about teamwork. It's about everybody coming together and mm-hmm. building an empire, building something beautiful or building whatever it is, as opposed to, you know, you trying to do it on your own, focusing on prestige, on power and, you know, how you are in, in the social light where it's like that stuff is all going to someday fade. What does it really mean? But at the end of the day, you know, when I'm old, I want to be surrounded by people that I love and people that I know that 
at some point I helped them in their life or at some point they helped me in my life or to me, that is what, you know, having, you know, happiness and joy and success looks like is seeing the ones around me prosper and the ones around me be successful and the ones around me find how truly what, what they are truly capable of, Mm -hmm. as opposed to just being me on my own, doing on my own. Cause there's no, to me, that's not fun to me. They say it's lonely at the top. It doesn't have to be. Absolutely. Ooh, amen to that. (laughs) And it's, it's funny though, because I mean, for me, like exactly that, like thinking about all the times where I'm like, you know, I want to be here and I'm only here right now. Mm -hmm. But the more, like the more personal growth that I've experienced, whether it's in my life, in my business, whatever, Mm -hmm. the more resources that, and the more energy, and I say energy because money is energy, mm-hmm. the more energy you have to be able to help and, you know, be in service to others. Mm-hmm. And I think truly that, that, that quote and that idea and that concept is the true legacy. Like if you really want to leave some imprint on the, on the world, it's not, you know, just what you did for you in that short time on earth. It's what are you leaving behind? Yeah. And I, I think, I think that is definitely something I'm going to write down and put on my, my board over here, uh, next to my desk, because I think that's, that's just a really powerful, powerful. Even quote. when you think about like income and energy, like your, your impact is directly related to your income. As yeah. Well. So it's like, this usually, honestly, the people that are getting paid a lot more are usually helping a lot more people. Yeah. And they're not talking about it either. Or like saying, yeah. like, look at what I did. It's like, you just do it because it's, it's a part of your, like, it's a part of your programming. Like it's just who you are innately. So what about those? Like, I'm curious just, uh, to kind of lead a, leave us here. Mm-hmm. Um, what would you say to the mom who's listening, who hears that quote? but maybe doesn't relate so much to the power or prestige. Like how would you say that to just the everyday mom who wants to feel empowered on her own? Mm-hmm. How, how would you apply that to someone who's not maybe pursuing a, a sport professionally, for example? That's, that's a good, that's a good one because yeah. So when you're, it doesn't because ha- when we talk about greatness, it doesn't have to be power or prestige. But I think honestly, what that quote does is it makes it be like, oh, I don't have to be those things. I don't have to have those things. So it kind of just takes the load off of you where it's like you as a mom, you're serving your children. Like that's, that's what it says right there. It's service. So you are already, already doing the one thing that is required by greatness and leadership and success is something that you are already innately doing by being a mother. So I think that quote in itself already lets that mom know like, Hey, you already, you are doing it. Take the the pressure off. Even though it may not feel like it and you feel like you gotta be superhero for your kids. You got, you gotta be super mom for your kids. Like you just keep doing what you're doing, serving them, serving the ones around you. I'm sure their friends, whatever it is, like yeah. you are already living the quote. Yeah. It doesn't have to be power, prestige. It is service. Yeah. And maybe realizing that they're maybe realizing that they are powerful and that because they're already doing the result of that quote, that they need to claim that power a little bit more. Yeah. 
moms are too humble. That's all I got to say. Yeah. <laughs> like, I oh, I'm, I'm just a stay at home mom. I'm yeah. Like, what do you mean, just? I don't know. Like, my mom's like, yeah, see, no. I'm like, mom, you're, you were a single mom, raised three kids on her own. Like, more power to you. Credit. Like, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yep. That's exactly it. Well, I really am sad that we don't have infinite time to just talk about all of these things because I'm having a blast. And I really, really hope that this is the first of many conversations, uh, not just on the show, but in life. And um, I just want to say how much I absolutely appreciate you being here and sharing your story. And I'm feeling very inspired to just show up a little bit differently. Um, I'm not going to lie. This came at a good time. I had a very bad mental health day yesterday. um, And I this has been a refreshing and very recharging conversation. So whether you realize it or not, you have impacted (laughs) me in a very, very... um, profound way. So thank you very much. Well, thank you. Cause you have as well, because just being able to go back in time and remember these things and just pull them out. is like, Oh yeah. Like, you know, when you have in those dark times or those yeah. moments, sometimes those green ankle yeah. moments. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Then it's like, okay. Yeah, that's right. Oh yeah. I said it again. Okay. We can get through this. So yeah. I appreciate you. And thank you for asking me to be honest, I know it was super random and, la- and kind of last minute, but I, w- I mean, as you know, I was down to do it. So. I know. I was like, okay, if she's down, I guess, I guess we're doing this. This is great. So, oh man. Well, it's so good to have you on. Um, is there any, well, I usually ask one question, but I'm gonna ask you two, because I saw that, um, you also told me your greatest influences. So before we sign off, is there anybody that you'd like to give a shout out to, or, you know, just say thanks to? I just, I want to say thank you to anybody who's just listening and just <laughs> take it, had made it this far and has listened to my story. And I just hope that it, you get something from it, whether it be perseverance, discipline, consistency, or, you know, just showing up for yourself. I hope you get something from this. I'm, uh, that is no doubt in my mind that, that people are really growing from this one. Um, and the last thing um, I want to ask is if people want to connect with you, where can they find you? At Jilly Bean Fit is my Instagram name. Jilly Bean Fit. All right, we'll tag it in the show notes for those of you listening. Um, I will tag her handle in the show notes. Just click it and take you right to her IG page. Um, and man, I'm sad to wrap this up, but as always, be bold, be fit. 